the podcast. Welcome back, everybody. I'm Eric Bazzari. And I'm Mark Langest. And this is this is the year. Thank you for coming on and listening for another week. <laughs> How you doing, man? I'm doing okay. Yeah. Doing okay. You know, surviving school somehow. Yeah. Not I like the beret. Mark is wearing a, a nice beret today. No, I call this the the, the poor boy cap. I got I what? got I got this from my grandmother uh, a number of weeks ago. Actually, yeah. no, I lie. A couple of months ago. Yeah. She she's one of those you know typical grandmothers, as you know, with your nona. It's cold outside. You got to be wearing something, specifically a hat. <laughs> yeah. So digs into the closet. Here, Zaida never wore this hat. You wear this. Looks good. Okay. And I've actually really not taken it off. Thanks for taking a picture while we're recording this. (laughs) I need to take a picture of you with the beret, man. It doesn't, it only. The beret and the scarf, it's part of my style now. I just got to trim the animal hair that is my, my beard and I'm good. No, it's nice. I, uh, I wanted to get into that fashion at one point and, uh, my mom. You're pretty fashionable. What are you talking about? No, I mean, well, I. I, well, when I was younger, I wanted to, I wanted to wear better hats. And so, ah, uh, my okay. mom had bought me that and I ended up losing it and it costed her, I'm pretty sure like 50, 60 bucks. Oof. And I lost that. And hat. I mean, when, when, when you're yeah. younger, that's kind of a big deal. Cause you think, Oh, my well, God. I was so careless. I mean, I was so careless. I was losing all of my, all of my shit. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, I had that, especially with my first pair of glasses that I got in like grade nine, grade 10. Yeah. I lost that and I kind of just played it off as, oh, I just don't need them. I don't like wearing them. <laughs> when in all actuality, I just lost them and I didn't know where they were. <laughs> I feel like I lost everything when I was younger. I lost like everything that I could put my hands on. Like I had no grasp on anything. Yeah. Like I feel like the only thing I could not lose was like my sanity. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my Sony Ericsson flip phone. Uh, listen, man, I, I am, uh, I, I did the first thing I listen, this year is about firsts. Okay. This yeah. year is about first. And this was the first time that I, uh, bailed on plans with you because of a sports event. Yeah. The first time this year that you've done that. <laughs> <laughs> the first time this year. Um, but, so, but, but you told me what this was for when you wanted to bail on me. And I said, N- you know what? I totally understand. Go do it. Right. But now. you didn't realize what kind of tickets there. So basically Mark and I had plans and I, uh, the day of the day of, I messaged him a few hours before I'm like, Hey man, can't make it tonight. You're like, Oh, everything. Okay. Like w- what's going on. And then I'm like, uh, I got Raptors tickets and then say no more. Go enjoy. Totally understand. And then when did you find out, where did you find, when did you find out? where I was actually sitting. How did you find it? On your Instagram, actually. I was I was, oh, yeah. peer, I was peering at it, and I was thinking, wait a second. <laughs> There's no way. How the hell did you score that? <laughs> Honestly. And it, it, it was just like, I did not. I ended up sitting I, courtside. That's, yeah, that's what happened. But courtside beside the opponent's bench. Uh, beside the opponent's bench, yeah. Which is still crazy in itself, because for about, yeah, half, for about half of the game, you're watching the Raptors score on that Dude, side. Dude, it was so wild. Yeah, on, on that side. And then, uh, and then yeah, the second half is when it got hot and heavy, because now they were on our side, and they were always coming to us. Yeah. Uh, I almost got hit with the ball. Like Kyle Lowry, uh, I believe passed it. It was one of the three pointers scored. I think it was to Adenobi. Yeah. Or OG Adenobi or, or Siakam or something. And so. He, oh, wait, the, the game winning one? Uh, I don't remember. It was in the second half. I don't remember. Okay. Yeah. But they were. Uh, yeah. So who were they facing? I can't remember. Uh, it was Indiana. Indiana Pacers. Yeah. So we were sitting next to the visitor's bench. Right. And 
uh, we're sitting next to the visitors bench and it's interesting to be sitting next to the visitors when they're losing or when they're not, they're just not doing well. And so this was a point, I I believe it was like beginning of the third quarter and the Raptors had like a huge, just like scoring streak. Like they were just going at it, like scoring baskets, scoring baskets. Pacers call a timeout. Uh, I don't remember his name, but one of the Pacers players comes in. They have like a team meeting coaches, like firing off all these instructions. Player sits, he's sitting on the, on the, um, chair or whatever. He's like bopping his head. And the two courtside seats next to me were like those guys, I think went out during halftime, get some food or whatever. Indiana Pacers guy pulls up his hand, slaps the chair, like slaps the chair. He's angry. He's like, fuck, like fuck this, like, they're they're getting ahead of us, like, uh, he didn't say that, but, but like, you can tell that emotion. slammed yeah. the chair, it was crazy, oh my god, I got so scared, dude, it was, like, security came over there, just, like, looking over, like, you know, but, uh, uh, but this shit happens, and then, um, one of the, one of the, like, whenever the, I feel so bad for these referees, man, like, and it's crazy to be in there, in the thick of it, when all this is happening, because you're hearing everything that the television, you know, the guys are Doesn't announcing catch. and yeah. Yeah. Like you're hearing them swear. You're hearing them argue. Uh, Nick nurse came over at one point and although he's on the other side, but he came like halfway. Uh, the coach was like yelling at the ref once and he was like yelling about a call and he's like, how could you make that call? And then ask him that. Like, I didn't even understand the context of what it was, but they were like going at it. Like those guys have thick skin, man. Yeah. God bless those it, referees. God bless those referees. We all know That's it's all a thing. I'm going to say <laughs> they, they get verbally abused every night, but yeah, I, I, I mean, I'm sure the perks must be worth it. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, well, I, and you're sitting there and it's just it's it's a it's a huge thing. Like there's cameras on you all the time. The, yeah. The, as the I saw in the highlights, I kept seeing you every single Did highlight. You see, yeah. Yeah. You every, messaged me that, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I showed you a picture every yeah. time there was a three and you getting up on the bench and getting so excited. <laughs> it's so crazy to see you in that context, though. Is it in a sports context? Well, not the sports well, context, because yeah. I know that I wouldn't say you're a bandwagoner, but but listen, uh, listen, I call myself a fair weather fan I'm, in terms of I'm a fan when it's in season. When they're playing, I'm a huge fan. If okay. it's the off season, I don't give a shit. Yeah, no, I'm not. I can, Okay, fine. Like, well, is that what? Okay, so it, you're, you're saying like off season for Raptors, you're not checking stats. You're not checking who's no. getting traded. Eh, the trade stuff is kind of part of it, but I'm yeah. not overly invested. Yeah, me neither. Like in no way whatsoever. Yeah. Um, but but no, I, I think my love of sort of basketball stemmed from. I mean, I made a I made a film about it, but also it's like I want to, as I get older, I want to sort of experience things that are outside of my comfort zone. Yeah, you know, and and experience things that you know. I'm I'm, I'm surrounded by film every single day, watching movies, critiquing movies, talking to people about movies, making movies. Like you know what I mean? It's it's every day. Yeah. And so, what better way to sort of like and that was that day specifically actually was quite stressful. Um, I'm, I'm producing, I'm producing this feature right now and it's just like, I can't even really explain by the time this is released, we'll be, we'll be filming. Uh, so it's crazy to think that in, you know, in a few weeks we're going to be, uh, in the thick of it, literally in the thick of snow in North Bay. God damn it. Oh my God. Um, but you know, doing this feature has been such a huge, like, eye-opener, learning experience, and the whole nine yards. And so that day was super stressful. Like we had like an update on the budget and people wanted more money. We don't have more money. And it's it's interesting to have a sort of like a situation where, you know, you now have money to spend, but now you have to figure out how that money gets divided. Yeah. Um, Anyway, 
long, where I'm going with this yeah. is it was very stressful. And then you go to the Raptors game, you're sitting there, you're enjoying, you're feeling the crowd's energy and you completely forget about it. Yeah. Like to be immersed in an environment completely opposite of yours, seeing people stress about that particular thing makes you sort of forget about your own worries. Yeah. You know? And I'm sure that was just a huge stress reliever for you. Yeah, it was huge. I mean, you're, but here's the yeah. thing. What, what was the best part about sitting that like courtside? What was the best part? Uh, did you get like, did you get in seat service? Did you, did you get to like pat the butt of Kyle Lowry, the big booty Lowry? <laughs> Oh come on, you Larry's so tick. There was a there was a sign. There was some there were fans that had a sign yeah. that said that. I don't know if you caught that. No, were, no, I didn't, but I believe that. Were you watching the game? No. Oh, I was okay. I wasn't there at the time. I, I I saw the highlights afterwards. Okay, okay. And that's where I noticed it's just, you're just in every shot. <laughs> um I I think the best part really is sort of having that like insider access. It's almost like you're watching like the behind the scenes of like a, a crazy film. You it, know what I mean? Or like the It's like you're watching Open Gym but in real but in like real time. What's Open Gym? Open Gym is the the Raptors in-house documentary style thing where they kind of go in depth with the Raptors. It's kind of an all access thing. It's called Open Gym for a reason. It's like anybody can come in and see it. So it's a, so it's like this very uh, highly technical produced. It's so good. I gotta, I gotta show you this. I don't know why like what, they, they have like in their locker rooms and they have yep. oh, interviews yeah? with players. Sometimes nice. most of the time it's uh, focusing on a player that week yeah. and it, it's so good. Everybody in the NBA just comments on why the hell is nobody else doing this, but the Raptors, I'm sure MLSE just has, you know what, this is, this part of it's getting well, boring. I'm it's sorry. not just the Raptors, but it's all basketball teams like in the NBA. I'm assuming. Yeah. Okay. Like everybody online, and commentators on TNT, ESPN have said, have like sung the praises of this. Like you're, you're a Raptors fan. How, how have you not found out about this? You, the, uh, well, story, like I said, the I'm storytelling not... that they have specifically when they were going through the playoffs. Yeah. What I love about the NBA yeah. is that there are these narratives that get played up kind of like wrestling for years and years and years. Yeah. So specifically with the Raptors, you follow this arc of new expansion team, great rising star in this frozen tundra gets disgruntled because of management. He leaves. We suffer in the basement for so long. Yeah. And then when we think we have this second star that can bring us out, he jets off and leaves from Miami to go play with LeBron. Yeah. And then this guy, DeMar DeRozan, says, I got us. <laughs> and then slowly but slowly we start rising up through the ranks. We start getting to the playoffs. We start facing off against these teams, and then we fail. And we keep going. But this is all fail. this is like and a we, series of stuff happening throughout the their exhibition games and like yeah, this started this started I think 7 or 8 years ago. Okay. That they started doing this. Yeah. And especially when you would get to the playoff stuff and then you see it just kind of end cuz they would have to end after a certain point. Yeah. Like once, you know, they're kicked out of the playoffs and all right. that. Right, right, right. But it's such a cool thing to see it, you know, year after year when you get to the conference finals but then you lose to LeBron, you go to the second round, you get swept by LeBron and then Kawhi comes in, Danny Green comes in, you get Marcus Saw coming in. And then you go through the playoffs. It was just so cool to see uh -huh. happen in real time during the playoffs and then watching it as a produced documentary. Oh, wow. 
Yeah, I mean, well, that's that's certainly what it feels like sitting there. And again, the best part is you're getting this behind the scenes look. It's like a it's like a like a Coach Carter, or like it's something like a it's like a basketball. You get to, you drama get to see greatness unfolding. in action. Yeah, no, essentially, and like from literally like on the court, but also off the court as the coach is speaking to the players about their formations and like what they have to change up and boosting their their moods and 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 it's funny because it's not only like you see more of like the assistant coach kind of like yelling out to the players on the court. And then sometimes, you know, the players are on the court and this is not stuff you see on camera. And they look to the coach and they're like, Hey, what did you want me to do there? Like, are you telling me to move here? Is that what you want me to do? Okay. I'm going to do that now. Then they're passing the ball and you see them on camera. And it's like, it's so it like, it flows as if that, like that conversation never happened. Yeah. You know? Uh, but the best is when the referee gets in an argument with the coach. Like that is just like, just, just like so scary to watch. You think they're gonna throw punches? Yeah, you know. <laughs> <laughs> no, but then, but then, like as the game goes on, and then you see that they, you know, they they eventually win. They strive yeah. for greatness. It, yeah, it's just at that oh, point. Well, they, yeah, they, they they broke their longest streak of of winning, right? But it doesn't even seem. Oh yeah, like I mean, well that co- yeah. So the game that I attended uh, was when they when they won. They broke their streak of winning, and they won now twelve games in a row. Yeah. Um, so that was that was just incredible to see and and I don't think and it's crazy because I don't think like that's never mentioned like off off the court or whatnot like I feel like the fans really dictate sort of the energy of the Raptors in the sense of like the Raptors and the players have an idea of not even necessarily winning but just like playing their best yeah and anything off the court that people are creating stories fictionalized or non fictionalized. Um, are created by the fans, the press, the media. Does yeah. that make sense? Yeah. yeah, but but that but that personal growth and that greatness, they know it comes from inside, and they try to play it off cool. I think right. when Kawhi was here, yeah, he instilled that in them a lot more than they, uh, than they did. But you know, with striving for greatness, that kind of ties into today's guest. Yeah. So uh, today's guest is uh, Sam Demma. He's a, uh, I mean, to, I guess to put it short, he's a motivational speaker. He grew up playing sports and this guy is, wow. I mean, he's, I I connected with him uh, through, I guess, his sister Francesca. And then she introduced me to him. And I've always been sort of wanting to talk to him because he's been uh, very entrepreneurial from a very young age. And he tours schools across the country and um, uh, shares his sort of motto, uh, which is small, consistent actions. Yeah. Um, and I I just love speaking with him. He's such a great guy. And I think he's, he's, he's certainly going to have a bright future ahead, but he's been so influential at such a young age. And we yeah. really uh, sort of talked about um, his love for the craft, but also – also those moments of when he really gets down and when he really doesn't feel like himself. So it was a very uh, interesting conversation, I'd say. Yeah, so let's get into that right let's... after this. <laughs> hey, folks, do you need studio space, equipment, maybe somewhere to chill out and tackle that new idea you had a while back? Well, Astrolab Studios is the destination for all your pre-production, production, and post-production needs. Astrolab has flexible in-house studio and post-audio bookings, on-site equipment packages available so you can save time and money with experienced staff to ensure your production runs smoothly. They've been supporters of This Is The Year since day one, making this little dream of ours come true. So why not show them some love? Visit astrolab.studio and make this the year your project takes off.
Sam Dema. Do you sleep? Do you have time to sleep? I, I try my best, bro. <laughs> <laughs> What's going on, man? Thank you for coming. Yeah, no, I'm super happy to be here. It's a nice studio you guys have. Yeah, and, uh, well, Astrolab, Astrolab Studios, man. Sick, right? That yeah, was dope. Um, so we were, so we were talking before. I think we have. Do we have a mutual connection? Yeah. So I was asking yeah. about Alex Bazzari. Yeah. I realized your last name and I was like, no way. I used to play soccer with the kid and his last That's name crazy. was Bazzari. How long ago did you guys, did you guys play? Well, because he, he hasn't played for a while. Yep. So yeah, I would have probably played with him five, five or six years ago. Uh-huh. I was just coming back from Italy when I joined A&B. Yeah. I was 13, seven years ago. Oh my God. I played at A&B till I was about 15 or 16. Yeah. So I played with him for about three years. Oh, wow. And then I moved to Vaughn where I finished my career with my injuries and all that jazz. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah. yeah, my brother, well, my brother had to stop playing because he, um, uh, he ended up getting injured as well. He had a bulging disc in his spine. So he ended up having to, having to back out. And, uh, anyway, so now he, now he does, uh, like sports management stuff. Oh, he sick. works for, he works for a team in, in Vaughn. He works for, uh, York Nine. He works for York Nine? Yeah. Dude, half the players from Vaughn that used to like play with me play yeah. for York. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Oh, wow. There's one guy named Joe. Uh-huh. He's like he's like the godfather. He's old. He used to play in Europe yeah. and he's like their center mid now. Oh, wow. Yeah. It's fantastic, man. Um, well, well, listen, thank you again. Thank you for, for coming on. Um, listen, man, I've always like, I've always really admired your work. You know, uh, I think you, you have a real passion and a real, and a real drive and, um, you're, you know, you're, you're going to, you're going to go places for sure. But, but I'm sure if someone of your caliber, like when you, well, first of all, let's like, I guess let's, let's tell people yeah. what you do. Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah. And I appreciate the kind words coming from someone like yourself. <laughs> all right. No so problem. Yeah. It means a lot, but Thanks, uh, man. my whole life, I wanted to be a pro athlete. Um, at the age of 17, I had a bunch of surgeries and injuries, took me out of the sport, lost a full ride scholarship. Went down a terrible path as a student, didn't know what I wanted to do with my life, yeah. didn't know what I wanted to do in school. Was lucky enough during my fifth year to have a teacher who taught me a lesson in a world issues class that a small, consistent action can make a massive global change. And he taught us the lesson in the hope that we would try and use our life to make a difference in mm-hmm. the community or try and solve some social problems. Yeah. And so I started asking myself, because I couldn't play sports anymore, you know, what small actions can I take in my community to see if my teacher is correct? Yeah. And... It took me 14 days of walking home until one day I passed a coffee cup. And I was like, there's tons of trash on the sidewalk. Yeah. I pass it every single day. Why not just take two seconds to pick it up? And I don't want to paint the picture like I'm some sort of environmentalist. I wasn't. Uh-huh. I just said, you know what? There's litter, small action. Yeah. Let me see if my teacher's right. So I started picking up trash, did it for about four months. Buddy sees me. He's like, what the hell are you doing, Sam? Why are you picking up garbage? And I explained it to him. It's like, man, why don't we try and do something with this? Yeah. And so back then it was funny. We started a volunteer group called the Wastemans. <laughs> good title, good title. Yeah, all these young people are going to laugh. They're going to help us. We started picking up yeah. trash for one hour once a week. And we did it for a whole two years because in the summertime we gained so much momentum that we actually never stopped. Yeah. And we filled just over 1,300 bags. Oh, my God. We got featured all over national news. We just were in your neighborhood and your community? We started four teams, uh, uh, one okay. in Pickering, one is in Montreal, still goes today. Oh, wow. One's in Mississauga, still runs today. And the last one was in Ajax, but it shut down. Okay. So they're all run by students. Right now, they're not running because of the winter, but uh-huh. they'll start again the second week of March. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so you still, so so just tracking back for a second, so you picking up trash in these communities, were you ever um, 
like, did anybody, did you get any sort of like, you got positive feedback, but did you get anybody like any negative sort of feedback from it? Like people kind of looking at you and be like, what's, what's happening here? You know, this is kind of, it's kind of strange, right? Like, did you get any of those sort of people as well? Yeah. We got a ton of positive feedback. Yeah. yeah. Uh, every once in a while we'd get something weird or negative and yeah. they usually come from like facilities managers. Like there was one speech I did about a couple of weeks ago. This is a little off topic, but I did a speech uh-huh. and this guy, I just literally made a podcast episode about it this morning, which is funny. You ask, he just sends me a message following my presentation and he's like, Hey, I just sat in your presentation at university of Toronto and I'm very unimpressed. I think you need to talk to me. There's some things I could teach you. And then you put the hands up emoji and I responded cordially. And I was like, yeah, man, here's my phone number. Give me a call. And he's like, I can't right now. I'm, I'm, I'm doing something with my in-laws. I'm entertaining my in-laws. And I was like, okay, when can we call? He's like, don't worry about it. We'll get in touch soon. Never heard from him. And when I went on LinkedIn, oh my and God. I searched his name up. It said like facility manager of Toronto. And I was like, interesting. You know, maybe we're taking away people's some people's jobs by picking up trash. I don't know. We filled over a thousand bags. There's garbage everywhere. You so. see that? That's just like that sort of, yeah. I guess, infuriates me. But at the same time, it's like, you know, getting getting a piece of advice from somebody who clearly like, do you think that's jealousy? So that's, yeah, that's fully, or, that's what I talked about today. I was like, it's yeah. fully ego. It's like, yeah. you have to be, you have to listen to everyone's feedback, but you don't have to accept all of it. Right. So I didn't accept what he told me because he didn't even have the, you know, he didn't even have the character to tell me, you know, what he was going to tell me. It was more like, Something you said triggered something inside me, and I'm right. gonna let you know that like I'm the superior person here, yeah. and you're the inferior person. And I'm just right. gonna leave it at that. It was that that's what it felt like. Wow, you know. Well, I'm I'm sorry you had to go through that, but at the same time, I feel like that's also necessary because I feel like in, and this is why I was also excited to have you here because I feel like someone of your age who's had so much success, I'm interested to know in both. Uh, I'm interested to uh, inquire about both the positive and the negative feedback because as I feel like as creators, you know, or, you know, not even necessarily creators, but I would consider you as someone who like works in the arts in some way, right? You're a motivational speaker um, and you're, you're still involved in, you know, shaping people's lives in some way, giving them some sort of advice. People look to you to have that sort of positive balance. And so for someone, an adult, to message you and say that, I find that just kind of kind of strange. It, it reminds me, so I, when I, uh, I've also gotten sort of that um, sort of comment as well, uh, people that feel like they have opinions that aren't sort of heard. And then they go ahead and they see you, you know, someone successful and they're like, oh, okay, I'm going to get Sam or I'm going to get Eric to sort of, you know, fix my, my problem. But, um, uh, you know, someone commented on, uh, not recently, maybe I guess in the last like year or so. And we talked about this on a previous episode of the show where he just messaged me and he was like, Hey man, like, you know, if you like work for the movie, if you're, if you're an actor, if you're a filmmaker, whatever you are, you know, why am I not seeing your films, you know, on the walls? Like, why am I not seeing your work sort of being presented there? And I'm like, well, when you start off, you're starting off, you know, it's sort of like a smaller way. You're not going to, your work's not going to be there right away. And, uh, and so there was just like, and he's like, okay, well, you know, I don't think you're really working in film if your films aren't being like shown in theaters and everything. So it's a, it's a sort of ignorance in that sense, right? Where in your case, it's like the ignorance of someone who sort of like, you know, being a facilities manager, I'm not like, uh, I'm not very in tune with what his tasks may be day to day, but it's that ignorance that comes with, you know, seeing someone successful in making a change or seeing someone successful and like rooted, deeply rooted in something specific and 
getting jealous of that, I guess. Yeah, no, and it's really funny because the whole thing you just brought up made me think of this idea, you know, all athletes call themselves hockey player, soccer player, basketball player. Right. They're not playing on the biggest stage. That means they can't call themselves a soccer player. There you go. So it's like, there it's the go. same thing with me. Um, and I was listening to a podcast this morning of an old mentor. His name's Nishobo. Shobo. Uh, he's a, he was an ex-NFL player, and he was talking about how when everyone starts, they're always unknown. Uh, no, one, no one knows someone who's just starting out. So it's like, you're not, you're not going to be shown go. in movie theaters when you just start out. Yeah. Maybe 20 years down the road, then everyone's going to be like, holy cow, this guy's a award-winning, Oscar-winning producer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, you were starting back where everyone else starts. Uh-huh. uh-huh. Um, and you're still the same person, but you have to have the desire to be that person before you even start. There you go. So it's important. Um, but in terms of, like, people throwing shade in other areas and stuff, for yeah. me, being 20 or 24, you're also young. I'm sure you get it, too. Yeah. For me, in schools, there was times where I was sitting in the staff room, uh, uh, this is only one time, actually. I'm not going to mention schools. because <laughs> you break it, into the staff room? I arrive at the school early, and she's like, yeah, yeah, go sit in the staff room. I introduce myself to all the staff. Uh-huh. Went in, killed this presentation. Presentation ends, like 10 staff rush over to me, and they're like, oh, my God, that was amazing. Uh, we want to apologize. And I was like, apologize for what? Okay. And they're like, when you left the staff room, at the time I was 17, they were like, when you left the staff room, we all started laughing, like, oh, what's this young kid going to have to say? It's important. Oh, wow. And I was like... Damn. Like, like they, they admitted that they yeah. fully like did not believe in you. After the presentation. And I was but just like, they still but they still locked you like they still locked you in though? Yes, yeah, so like, the principal books. Right? Oh, okay, okay. And, and then all they the don't staff. Know who the principal yeah, books. the staff don't have oh, control okay. over it, right? The right, principal right, right, right. principal's ahead of the school, books whatever they want. That's so funny. Staff have to sit in on it. But yeah. I was just like, damn. So there there's been situations like that. I have people that message me on Facebook. Like uh-huh. a father of a friend messaged me and was like, Who do you think you are? You know, you're 20 years old. You're giving people life advice. What? I was like, <laughs> <laughs> okay, hold on, hold on, hold on. Yeah. You're not giving. I mean, I don't think I, I haven't. I haven't had the uh, uh, opportunity of, uh, of yeah. attending one of your speeches. And yeah. and so just to sort of track back, like, so Sam, so you are a motivational speaker. Yep. And So you have been doing this for a few years, just so people aren't confused. Let me just connect the dots real quick. Yeah. Absolutely. So I started picking up trash or pick waste. Uh-huh. Did all these cleanups. Schools started asking me asking me and my, my co-founder, Dylan, can we speak at their high schools? We started speaking to recruit volunteers back in 2017. Yeah. He was full-time in school, so I almost did all the presentations by myself. Yeah. By the 40th one, a teacher said, wow, that was amazing. Here's an honorarium, 150 bucks. Oh, wow. And I was like, whoa, this is a crazy one hour, $150? Oh, my God. This is insane, <laughs> right? Like, yeah. maybe I can actually do this for a living. Yeah. And I, I love speaking. I realized I was really close in age to the kids, and I had a message I wanted to spread. Yeah. So I decided, you know, I still, I still went to university, dropped out after two months. Um, and we can get into that a little bit later, but I dropped out and then I started building a website, taught myself how to use WordPress, hired a coach, bought a couple programs from the U S flew to California, went to a couple of conferences, learned as much as I could about speaking. And then in March of 2019, I launched my company, Sam Demma enterprises and started just doing as many presentations in schools as I could. Wow. Uh, that wasn't related specifically to pick waste, but uses it as the case study story. Yeah. So did you, yeah. did you decide then moving forward to then forget about pick waste or like sort of have not, not necessarily forget about it. I, mm. I, um, I digress, not, not, not forget about it, but sort of pass it on to somebody. Yeah. So you did kind of, okay. um, I'm still actively involved in the project as the cleanup manager. So yeah. I manage all the cleanup crews yeah. and I'll be leading the cleanups when they start again in March in the city of Pickering. Okay. And it'll be bi-weekly. Uh, my buddy Dylan, the co-founder runs all the online stuff. So we're turning the online page into a form where people from Gen Z can share their own stories and opinions on the environment and try and make it more fun. So it'll, it'll be stuff like, how do you deal with your boyfriend who's a vegan? 
or like, you know, like interesting topics, right? Uh, try and like make it more fun and current, not just facts and stats, but not just yeah. pop culture, like a good mixture of both. That's awesome. Are um, you vegan? No. Vegetarian? Are you vegan? No, no. Okay, no. I just tried oat milk for the first time, so I think I'm like going down. You're getting there. <laughs> <laughs> I just like, I don't know. I was, I, I, uh, I tried it at a, it's going to sound stupid. I, I tried it as a sample, like as a Costco sample. Mm. And then I was like, oh, this isn't that bad. And then I saw in the box, it was like, oh, yeah. And so I bring it home and that marketing tool sort of just like made me interested. I don't know. Hooked me. I don't know. That's Anyways, cool. it's great. It's not, it's not bad. So. That's funny. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So he's writing all the online stuff. I'm yeah. doing all the cleanup operation. Yeah. Uh, but the focus is definitely the speaking. Very cool. Yeah. Very cool. And so when you say you're getting this, like not even negative fee, I, I wouldn't even consider that negative because those comments you're getting are so progressive in the sense of like those guys sort of ground you and remind you why you're doing it. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. when you have like such a mass, and this is not to say that you need like a, uh, a mass amount of people that sort of like, you know, confirm or validate your work, but you do have a lot of support. And so I feel like when you have those sort of people that say, Hey, that sort of like question what you're doing or make you sit down and like really reevaluate that's progressive in a way because you're understanding how to grow and you're, you're sort of bringing yourself back to square one. Yeah. And I feel like if I didn't have those people, I wouldn't be, you know, moving forward as much. I feel like as you progress and as you grow and improve, that's, that's when you'll start to hit more and more, you know, opposition of people saying like, what the hell are you doing? Yeah. Who do you think you are? Like the only reason someone would randomly reach out to you and be like, who do you think you are? Is because you're doing something that, you know, validates a fear inside them or some sort of insecurity exactly. that they didn't do something they wanted to do when they were young or something like exactly why would why would as a 60 year old man you reach out to a 20 year old kid and be like who do you think you are kid yeah you don't have the wisdom i have well yeah like is there something i'm doing that you're not doing that you want to do or is there something that you're doing that i'm not doing that you want to share exactly and if you want to share it why don't you get up and yeah share and share it, right? it go do what i'm doing like exactly. i don't understand what it is yeah. so that's that it kind of brings me back to this whole thought that like everyone, when they speak, it's, yeah. it's either they want to care about you and they want to help you uh-huh. or they want to fulfill their own internal needs. So this, these comments that you're getting, do you ever get that from people of your age? Almost never. Really? I don't think I've ever had a kid reach out to me and be like, who do you think you are? Really? I had one kid one time I was speaking at a bullying presentation Yeah. and, um, she was like, your presentation was amazing. I love it. The content was amazing. I just wish you would have touched on this one extra thing okay. because it affected me and it would have like maybe helped some other people. And I was like, I appreciate that. Yeah. I'm always, I always want to hear stuff like that. If there's something yeah. else that like a student's like, wow, you should have said this, this, or this. Yeah. I'm like, tell me, like yeah. you help me make my speech. Like yeah. kids help me make my speech. And I'll give you an example why this. You have to be attentive of it. Attentive of it. I was doing a presentation uh, two days ago at All Saints Catholic Secondary School in, um, in Oshawa. Uh-huh. And the, I start my speech and this baby picture comes up and I'm like, huh. I know what all the Have girls. You? Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it doesn't explain. It won't, it won't make sense unless it's in context. Okay. Gotcha. But a baby picture pops up on my, on my PowerPoint and I'm like, yeah, yeah. I know what all the girls in the room are thinking. And I pause and I go, uh, and all the girls started dying. And this one guy in the back right corner goes, bruh. <laughs> and then the second time I did the presentation, I just added an extra line because of what he said. I was like, I know what all the girls are thinking. Uh, uh-huh. they all laugh. I'm like, I know what all the guys are thinking. Bruh. <laughs> and everyone just, <laughs> all the guys start dying. And it's like, he literally gave me that joke. And kids will give me content all the time if I'm paying attention while I'm on stage. That's so funny. Yeah. That's so funny. And But also so true because you're learning from your audience. Always. You're learning from the reactions of your audience. And it's similar to like, 
I guess what I'm doing or even just like creatives who make, I guess, very, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like they make work, like they make like a film or something that's, uh, that's, that's sort of like stricter in, in the sense of, you know, you have this film and, and this film only, you can't really change it, but the reaction you get to that film might, might sort of, um, uh, might sort of affect the way that you make your future work yeah. almost. Right. Um, so that's really interesting. But so what I meant about, about the previous comment was really not even necessarily the people that attend your speeches, but also like your group of friends. Like, do you mm. feel like you have a strong support system or, uh, do you feel like your success has sort of also pushed people away? I think it's a mixture of both, to be honest. Okay. Um, I've been the same person throughout the whole process. I'm Sam. I've been Sam. Nothing's changed about me. Okay. Um, my closest friends, and I only have probably like five or six that are like super close. Yeah. I'm very selective and I spend time with like these five people a lot. But outside of that, it's more like acquaintances and mutual friends. Yeah. And these people will like support me until the day I die. Like a hundred percent. Like every day, all day, I have phone calls with these people all the time. Um, outside of that, I used to have a ton of friends that kind of just like, just like vanished out. Yeah. Um, but not in a bad way. Like there's nothing that happened or anything that went wrong. It's like, they went to school. I'm doing my thing. It's tough to relate when someone's like, I dropped out of university and I'm doing my full-time entrepreneur gig and you're in school full-time. It's just yeah. like, we're so different it's now different that paths, it's like, yeah. it's hard to have those relatable conversations that you might have with another university student or entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. So in that way, we kind of split. Although like some of my greatest friends are still in school. So yeah, I can make that argument, but it also like, it didn't happen with certain people. Yeah. Um, but I'm sure you kind of can relate. How, how would you say, what would you say about that? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I was, I, so I'm, yeah, I mean, I, I, uh, I mean, I, I, you know, I'm a few years older than you, but I don't think, I don't think age is really a, um, I guess sort of a reflection on how much this can necessarily happen to someone like, um, speaking between us, like, you know, between a 20 and a 24 year old, you know what I mean? But at the same time, it's like, yeah, no, I've definitely, you know, I've been reflecting on it the last even just like a year and people that I've sort of just like drifted apart from. And, you know, it really is. I, I mean, it is, it is a bit upsetting. I'm not going to lie. Like, you know, I do get like, uh, like sad about it at some times. And, and I think that's just, you know, the natural sort of progression. And, uh, you know, you, you get advice where, you know, some people are here for a season, a reason. Um, and, not everyone's supposed to necessarily be in your life all the time. They sort mm -hmm. of come in, they teach you, they, they can teach you something about yourself or say, for example, uh, a girlfriend or a boyfriend or who, whoever, a friend, you know, sometimes they, you know, a romantic partner can, can, you know, they come into your life to teach you how to love, to teach you what love looks like. Um, or they come in to teach you what love should not look like. And so I think that's the same in this case. And, and, and so I, I feel like with my own sort of success and projects that I've been doing, um, there's this sort of like mindset that I've tried to allow myself to understand, which is, uh, what makes relationships healthy. You know what I mean? And so like, if you're, you know, we have a friendship and it's like, you know, you always want to meet in the middle ground with somebody. You might be having a really, uh, you can't see my hands, but you know, my right hand's farthest up, my left hand's farthest down. And so one person can be really happy one day and another person can be really, really upset. That person who's really, really happy should not come all the way down to where this person is upset and be like, let's talk and get upset with them and get sad with them. Mm -hmm. What should happen is the happy person should come down here, come down to the middle, be like, hey, you want to talk? I'm right here. You know, I'm not going to come down to where you are. Like, I'm not going to be sad just to make, just to please you. 
but I'm going to come down to the middle. And it's up to that person who's sad, not necessarily to get happy and to fake their happiness, mm-hmm. but they come up to the middle and be like, all right, let's talk, you know? And so I feel like with a lot of stuff that I've been doing, you know, I tried, like, I, I remember having a, having lunch with a friend once and I tried explaining to them, you know, this process and this, like, this sort of path that I was on. And her response was like, oh, well, you can't read, every, you can't, um, you can't believe everything you read. And so that sort of threw me off, right? And so I think that, you know, the older you get and, and the more sort of, um, the stronger your beliefs get as well. Like even with you, like with motivational speaking, like I find that, you know, with so many people that become successful at a young age or like entrepreneurs, like I'm an entrepreneur as well. Mm-hmm. That's where we sort of align. And, and so, you know, I feel like with people that do become entrepreneurs very, very early on and sort of find their footing, um, there is a lot of sort of jealousy that comes with that, mm-hmm. you know? And so that's why I was sort of interested in, in asking you that because it's like, with all the success that you've had, there has to be some sort of experience that you're having as well. that sort of like, um, pushes you away from like people that you love in, in a sense. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, no, I feel that. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I laid it out kind of how I feel about it now, but yeah, still have my closest Absolutely. Yeah. um, But I think that's what matters at the end of the day. Exactly. Right. So when you're, um, so getting in, so even before getting into emotional, uh, motivational speaking, you were, you were really into sports. Mm -hmm. And so did you ever think like, I don't know, let's say seven years ago, you know, did you ever think then that you would be here actually speaking? Like, were you always a speaker? No, no, not at all. Like, Like I delivered my first presentation outside of a classroom presentation when I was 17, right after, this whole thing started with pick waste. Okay. It was my first time ever speaking. I have the video. Oh my God. I'll never post it until I'm like 30, but <laughs> I have the video. It <laughs> no, is terrible. No, we will post it on our social. <laughs> <laughs> Interview airs. We're going to expose. No, no, no. Okay. Yeah. Um, okay. So did you do those like speeches? Do you remember those speeches that we did in like elementary school? Did yeah, I did do those. Yeah, oh, okay, yeah. yeah. Like in my classroom and stuff. And yeah, yeah, actually yeah. that's funny you mentioned that. I never thought of it, but I actually did do one of them in front of the whole school. And I was like, grade seven. Oh, did you make it? Yeah, well, well I, yeah. I finished in second or something. Oh, shit. Yeah, yeah. There I lost go. to this girl named Cassandra. I lost to this girl named Jessica. No way. No, I'm serious. She's doing a monologue about ice cream, bro. I don't I don't remember <laughs> what she talked about, but I talked about the Oscars. And it, okay. was, it was wonderful until I lost it. Because you, you go to the gym, and then from the gym, yeah. you went to like- So true. Yeah, and then you went to like the, I don't know, some- Regionals, whatever. Regionals or yeah, whatever yeah. it is. But uh, so then now moving forward, do you ever like in in continuing motivational speaking, do you ever find that you're going to like you would employ like other motivational speakers to speak with you about specific issues or do you find yourself staying solo? Yes, a great question. So I actually just turned down the opportunity to join a huge agency for this one reason. Uh, When I grow older, I want to be the person that creates a bureau of speakers and then takes a step off the stage because interesting. The, the, not the problem, but there's one thing about speaking that's like the trades. It's it's very service-based. Mm. You go, you speak, you get paid to speak, you leave, that's it. Um, if you're not speaking, you're not making money. So it's like you're exchanging your time for money. Whereas the person who runs an agency is employing 12 speakers. They've put in the work of 20 years building relationships with thousands of clients. And now they're just sending speakers out to schools talking about really important topics but they themselves can go live their life and like do whatever they want. They don't have to touch a stage if they don't want to. I want to touch a stage for the next 20, 30 years of my life, guaranteed. I'll never turn it down, but there's going to come a point when I grow up and I'm like, I've done three, four, 5,000 presentations. I might want to just 
say no to this Just one and up. send yeah. my buddy Joe to go do it, you know? <clears throat> yeah. Um, and if I was to sign with an agency, mm-hmm. um, I would be basically taking all the relationships I could build because it was a 10-year contract. It was like, it was crazy. I'll tell you what it after. But oh, wow. I would take all the relationships I could have built with clients and then give it to this agency. So it's like the next, after the, after the 10 year contract's done, I'm Sam demo with no relationships, with no clients starting from ground zero, basically. Because they would be finding the jobs for you, right? Oh, yeah. Or, and yeah. also after I go in and deliver the speech, it's yeah. not on behalf of Sam demo. It's on behalf of, of this agency. agency. That is, so that is ag- a very smart, like, listen to this. Move, right? So the, the agency has 12 speakers. So if they ever book one speaker at a school, they gar- they almost guarantee that they have them for the next 12 years because the next year they can be like, hey, did you enjoy our first speaker? Oh. Here's our second speaker. Here's our third. Here's our fourth. And then every four years, the school flips its whole audience. Yeah. So then every speaker becomes relevant again because it's a whole new batch of kids. So it's like, I'm thinking, who's the person I want to be in like 30 years? Yeah. Um, and if I make these decisions now, uh, it's like short-term gratification. This guy's going to blow me up, give me viral videos, book deal, boom, 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 boom. But I'm tied down for 10 years, come out of it, no relationships. It's like, yeah. no, I want to be this person that can, like, I want to build everything, build it out the way I want it. And then, and then potentially one day send mm-hmm. out other speakers. So yeah, to answer your question in the long, long <laughs> story short, uh, I do one day want to work with other speakers for sure. Yeah. Well, cause I think there's, there's the pros and cons to that. And, and, and I find that, uh, very interesting because, I feel like there are people in their career early on in their career that find success that crave stability, mm. right? And so you joining an agency that can get you these gigs, you know what I mean? And and have you on behalf of this agency and whatnot, you know, there's a pro that comes with that, mm-hmm. which is guaranteed work, yeah, which is 100%. like, oh, okay, I, I can guarantee that every week I'm going to do four speeches and they're going to pay me X amount of dollars and, and whatever it might be, and I'm good. Mm-hmm. But then there's a con side of it where, isn't what you loved about speeches primarily was the connection you could make with these schools in the first place? hundred percent. And not just that. So why would you want to give that up? Like, exactly. how does that like, you know, it's not even just that. So it's also like, I'm also giving away all the business side of things, meaning yeah. like the emailing, the selling, the, you know, hunting for sales and all this stuff. Like if a lead came in, I don't even talk to the person. It goes straight to the booking agent of the agency. It's like, okay. I lose out the whole personal touch and I got into this to be, not to be entrepreneurial, but I love it. That's why, uh, one of the reasons why I love doing it. I love the whole aspect of it. So it's like, I didn't want to just show up, speak, go home and get paid. That turns it into a job for me. Right. This is more like the hustle, the grind, the chase. I love all of it. And maybe that's going to change. You know, maybe if this approached me with this opportunity when I was 40 years old and I had a kid and I I needed stability. Yeah. And then, and there you go. But like, you're, you're so young that you, you have the opportunity still to, to sort of experiment, right? Take risks. Um, and going off of it, then I want to, I want to know, so, you know, coming into this and, and doing your, you know, motivational speaking, how do you like, how do you practice for these things? How do you, how do you get mentally prepared? Like, what is the, like, do you have someone you like you vibe off with, or you practice off with, you just practice in front of the mirror, you practice in front of your family? Like how, what, like, what is your process in, in, in preparing for these things? No, it's great. So I actually practice in my shower. Oh, oh excellent. Really funny. Dude, I dude. do the same thing. Yeah. I mean, not for speeches necessarily, but like anything. Yeah. Any sort of idea creating comes in the shower. How weird is that? Yeah. And I would bring my G-Shock that I never wear anymore into my shower because it's waterproof and I it's use G- it as a- What's a G-Shock? G-Shock? It's a yeah. type, type of watch. Oh, okay. Okay. And uh, see, it's that old, right? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I bring it into my shower and use yeah. it as a stopwatch. 
Okay. Because you have to know the timing of different sections of the speech because one of the things is you can never go over time. Yeah. If you go over time, like a teacher, like automatically, no matter how good the presentation was, lose all respect. Guaranteed. Because they have to go to the next class and you're sitting behind the whole school and it's like, it's a big commotion. So yeah. I'd bring my watch in there, practice in the shower, all the different sections. Um, in terms of like game day or like speech day, I call mm-hmm. it game day because I was an athlete yeah. growing up. <laughs> yeah. But uh, it's it's like a very simple routine. I get up, follow the same thing I'll do every day. I'll go yeah. to the gym if it's a workout day. I'll meditate, journal, read, go to the school, crush the speech, come home. Nothing nice. nothing crazy. Yeah. Nice. Do you ever, are you allowed any guests? Can any guests like come in and? Oh, like to a speech? Yeah. Absolutely. I've never actually done it before. Yeah. But like, I'm pretty sure a, a I'm client like wouldn't be. Oh, definitely yeah. to watch me. Actually, I just hired a coach. He comes to all my presentations now. Oh, fantastic. Takes notes for me. Fantastic. So he'll sit like adjacent to me, stare at me and the audience, see what's working, what's not, and take a bunch of notes and be like, this is what you need to change, add, adjust. That's great, man. Yeah. And so do you ever find, um, I guess, sort of moving forward now, do you, how do you find that you can like sort of get out of those really low periods? Do you know what I mean? Like when you have sort of those times where you like doubt yourself, do you ever, you know, uh, you know, this might get a little personal, but do you ever get sort of like really, really depressed in the sense that like, you know, you're, you're sort of stuck and you're not sure if you can, I don't know if it's maybe getting upset or anxious about a specific speech or if it's like, you know, uh, just like in general, how do you find that you can like build yourself up out of that? There's definitely low points. Um, there's always peaks and valleys. Yeah. I'll come back from doing like seven presentations in one week. Yeah. I'm just pumped. And Uh then sometimes it'll be like the next two weeks, nothing. Ah. And you're just like, what just happened? So you just sort of have to like adapt to that and yeah. adapt to sort of not. So how, like, how do you, what are some ways in which you sort of. So I would say I come to, first I came to the realization that like I can't attach, I can't attach my feelings of happiness to the days that I speak because ah. that's the, like you get this euphoric high. Yes. You have this amazing opportunity to impact the kids yeah. and it's an amazing opportunity and you crush it and you have students messaging you. And it's like all these things are just like dopamine hits. It's like social media almost. Yeah. And then you go home and it's it's like, now what? Like here's a perfect example. I was in Alberta. I did eight presentations in four days. Spoke at five schools, soccer oh team, God. two real estate presentations. And then I had two days before I went back to Toronto and I sat in my hotel room and it's just like, I've just spent like the past three days in front of like 20,000 people, not 20,000, like 10,000 people. And like, now there's no one. It's like my family's at home, my girlfriend's at home. I'm not talking to nobody. I'm just isolated by myself. And it's just like, interesting. Damn. So interesting. if you, if you like earlier on, and I, I would do this, I would attach my happiness to the days I was speaking. Yeah. If it's like that always, it's it's really tough on the days when you're not. Yeah. Um, I started to fill my days with other things. Uh, so the podcast, uh-huh. I'm one day going to start working on a book, uh-huh. uh, start working on a different program with realtors. Yeah. And like, I'm just trying to fill the days with other things. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also like, I, I've been doing this for a while now to the point where like, I'll get students reaching out all the time, asking me questions just yeah. randomly. Like, Hey, I just want to send you this message. How's Sometimes that might be a bit like it's a good reminder on you. Well, a oh, good that reminder, too. Yeah. It's true. Because I, I saw something really nice today by, uh, you know, Gary V. Yeah. Okay. So I saw something really cool by him today where he posts an image of a, a cartoon version of himself, just sort of like plugging his ears. And it's like plugging his ears to the positive reactions and pu- plugging his ears to the negative reactions. Mm. And in that sense, what I mean is like when you take, um, when you take positive reinforcements so literally and you take negative reinforcements so literally, they can both 
cancel each other out. Mm -hmm. See what I'm saying? And so like, it's important for you, all these students messaging you and all these compliments you're getting, like you're saying, I love that like sort of thing that you said where you can speak in front of 10,000 people and then you have a moment where it's like, you just get into your hotel room and it's done. That's it. It's over. And sometimes that, 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 uh, like you were describing that moment could feel very isolating. Mm -hmm. So I think it's good to like, you know, take these compliments, but like, don't get so over attached and exactly. like we were talking about before, over attached to people. Yeah, yeah over attached or, or the positive. It goes in both ways. And that's something that I think can really learn. Um, so I guess sort of tying this in, how are you making this year your year? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, the biggest piece right now is hiring a coach. And it just happened last week. And oh, fantastic. You hired someone. Yeah. Oh, fantastic. Not as like an employee, but yeah. a guy to come to my presentations, teach uh-huh. me all about sales. He worked with Tony Robbins. Like it's like a. Okay. A guy I've known now for about two years. He does keynotes worldwide, internationally. He's been speaking for 30 years. Never coached anyone and never wants to coach anyone. And I convinced him to coach me. And it costs a lot of money, dude. dude, But it was like, (laughs) this is going to change my life. Yeah, absolutely. This will make it my year. Absolutely. That's what I would say is the biggest piece. Yeah. Yeah. That's fantastic, man. Thank you for for coming on board. I think we did it. I appreciate it. It was beautiful. Yeah. Thanks a lot, dude. Thanks, bro. This is great. Peace out.